I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Opposition Preview Show with Tom, Dana and our special guest for the evening. We've got Raj Shohan of at Premier, League pan- oh, at Premier League Panel, sorry I should say, on Twitter, uh, here to give us a breakdown on Coventry ahead of the playoff semi-finals. Raj, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited for the show and excited for the couple of matches we've got coming up. Us too, definitely. Uh, but I mean, I'm going to dive straight in with the big question. Bit of a two-parter. How are you feeling ahead of the playoffs other than excited? And, and what does it mean to you as a Coventry fan to see your team in the playoffs? Yeah, so feelings kind of mixed at the moment. Uh, very nervous. I was nervous ahead of even last Monday's match. Uh, obviously, this is, this is big stakes now. Uh, but excitement as well, because obviously we're going into it in quite good form. I think we've only lost one in the last 16 games. I mean, it's big upturn of form uh, since January, really. Um, and Robin has done a fantastic job to to nail down a system and way of playing since then. Uh, as a Coventry fan, obviously, this is big for us. We we didn't think we'd get anywhere near this kind of territory, if you're talking three, four years ago, in League Two. It was a big decline for us. Obviously, we've had some big ownership problems, stadium problems. It was mounting at one after the other. Um, and it really needed a remarkable coach like Robbins to get us anywhere near this position. We've only bought a couple of players really for transfer fees in the last couple of years. It's mainly just been done on loans, academy players, and just Robbins developing uh, the couple of signings he has been able to bring in. So, yeah, it's a miracle really. Um, and, yeah, I'm just grateful to be in this kind of position. Can you elaborate a little bit on the ownership problems as well? Because obviously I have known Coventry being a staple of the Premier League back in, you know, the 90s. What, how is it, how did it become a little bit of a, well, quite a big actually decline for Coventry over the past few decades? So obviously we got taken over by a hedge fund called Sisu. Um, they, their main interest was really just to take money out of the club. Uh, they were investing nothing back and they were actually taking money out at the same time. Nothing invested in transfers. 
even lost the stadium. Uh, ended up having to rent the stadium off the off the council, and then Wasps then obviously took it over. We had to get it off them as well. So literally zero investment, um, and that is really what led to the decline. And obviously some bad managers on along the way as well. Um, until Robbins came in, obviously we had Robbins first time round, um, and then he actually left us to go to Huddersfield. And then mm. came back after Huddersfield sacked him, and since then he stayed with us. I think that Huddersfield experience has made him really like, he, he he loves the club, I think, after that experience. He knows what he gets at Coventry. The fans will give him maximum support. The board, even though the board haven't been good in terms of investment, they give him as much support as possible because they know he's the only guy who can really work with these kind of tight financial situations. Uh, but luckily, we did get taken over by Doug King uh, recently. This fella seems to want to put a bit more back into the club. Uh, he's promised some funds in the summer for Robins. So even if we don't get promoted, it looks like there are some brighter days on the horizon. Yeah, you mentioned a lot, Robins, there. And obviously you were in League Two in, in 2017-18. We've got a question from one of our listeners, Rob Fletcher. He asks, he wants to know how effectively Robins has evolved the team tactically since he took over in League Two. That is a very good question. Um, he He has like this in terms of formation he's like this 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 system ever since he's come in really um i think first and foremost defensively his organization is that fantastic and that is something he's carried through all the way through the leagues um i'd say when we were further down in league two and league one we used to play a bit more football on the floor try to build from the back a bit more but since we got to the championship he's realized we can't really do that against all teams we haven't got the level of player except for a couple who will probably mention in the podcast, uh, we need to be a bit more conservative with our tactics. So this time round, even since last season, he's become a bit more defensive, I think. Uh, if you, I think look at the possession stats, we, we were averaging around 55% possession last year, and this year it's around 47%. So you can even tell with that. We've, got, we've gone into a bit more of a reactive team and then using the guys like Jokrez and Hamer in the attacking positions to hit teams on the break. So definitely a bit more conservative, but we still play football when when the time suits. Um, he does push on those wing-backs in the system quite aggressively at times. And we've got good ball-playing centre-backs. Callum Doyle came that's coming from Man City. He's got a fantastic range of passing. Uh, mm. And Luke McNally as well uh, was brought in January as a loan from Burnley. And he, again, similarly likes to bring the ball out more by carrying it rather than passing it. But still... There's still that emphasis to play out from the back, but he doesn't mind sitting back in the shape uh, when the time suits as well. So look, looking ahead to, to how we're going to match up in the playoffs a little bit, I mean, obviously we've had a little bit of a preview in the last game of the season. Definitely an interesting affair. How do you think the team's matched up in that game? Yeah, it's a very interesting game. Wasn't it? it's, a, it's a contrast of styles, really. You guys play some lovely uh, possession football uh, under Carrot. Very impressive what you guys are doing. You had 74% possession in that game. So you're really <laughs> penning us in at times. Uh, the guy, Hayden Hackney in midfield, he, he really impressed me on the day as well. Uh, he's like the conductor in there, isn't he really? Everything goes mm, through him. Brilliant. He's, and, and he sprays passes everywhere. Um, so yeah, that I think you guys commit quite a few me- uh, players forward as well. I think that was one thing that m- might have hurt you when we scored the goal, really. You had, um, I think it was... Uh, your defensive fielder Mawat was uh, stuck in the middle of the park on his own. He got dribble pass, and then instantly we had a three versus two at the back against your two centre backs. 
Um, so he was kind of, you pushed into quite an aggressive formation there uh, and left that space for us in behind. So that was what was intriguing. It was more of a cat and mouse kind of game. We were sitting back and looking to launch our players on the break, especially Hamer and Jokeres in that left, left-sided channel. Uh, him and Paddy McNair had a fascinating duel going on um, <laughs> out there. And I thought McNair did pretty well, actually, didn't he? Um, yeah. Although Jokeres obviously got the beating a couple of times. He, I've seen a lot of centre-backs struggle more than McNair did. So, again, that'll be one to watch out for in this match. But, yeah, I think it was really possession-based based style from you guys versus our more counter-attacking style. And, yeah, it, it was fascinating. Is it usually that left-hand channel that you see Jokeres playing because a lot of Borough fans probably took from that game that maybe you were targeting McNair he has been a little bit suspect this season but is, is Jokeres usually in those left that sort of left half half space yeah he, he loves that channel um because obviously for a for a big striker he's a big unit Jokeres there's not many strikers <laughs> like that who can dribble with that kind of close control and that that's the main unique thing about him if there's one other striker out there in Europe I'd compare him to, it's probably the fella for uh, Frankfurt and France, Randall Kolomouani. Those two mm. are very similar players. And obviously, Kolomouani's been linked with a £100 million move in the summer. So he, that's the kind of style he's got where he'll take it in the left channel and then he'll either dribble inside and look to get a shot off or he can even go down the line and get a cut back in. So, yeah, it's definitely that left channel he, he likes to exploit. So I don't think it was specifically for McNair, no. I think you you summed up the game perfectly there, where you said it was very cat and mouse, uh, cat and mouse kind of game. Mm. Uh, Carrick has said in the press conference afterwards um, he's he's learned a few things from that game. I'm pretty sure Robin said similar things. Everyone's expecting the playoff games to be completely different. Do you expect either team will be looking to make changes to counteract the other in the first game? I think, from a Coventry perspective, I think they'll play very similar. Because that you have to think that was a pressure game for Coventry, obviously less so for Borough. Um, so Coventry will play in that similar style on the counter attack, I think, and look to defend the box as best as possible. One change I think I could see Borough making: you're attacking obviously with a two-three-five, but often that became a two-two-six almost, where you left, as I said, Mowat on his own. Uh, I think you might see Hackney's position change a bit to help protect against those transitions. So I do feel that was the the weakness for Borough, to be honest. Hamer was not being tracked as well as he could have from with those late runs from midfield. So I think maybe Carrick will be a bit more conservative. Obviously, he didn't have much riding on that game. So maybe you do drop someone back, help uh, Mount out to defend those counter-attacks. One thing I did see where Borough had a lot of joy in that game uh, on Monday was in our right channel, your left channel, you were constantly looking to play the ball in behind our wing-back, uh, Norton Cuffey. He is a pretty young lad. And I think uh, Giles, your left wing back, got in, I think, 10 crosses uh, in that match. So you were definitely looking to get uh, him into those crossing areas. And then what you had was in that kind of 2 3 5, which is how you attack, you had Akpom or you had McGree occupying our right side centre back, McNally, in the kind of half space. But then you had Giles bombing on in behind Norton Cuffey, who's not the best positionally. Um, and also, He's not used to these kind of high-level games. He only came in from Arsenal uh, Arsenal Academy in January. And I think the intensity got to him as the game wore on. And Giles was getting in more and more uh, as the second half progressed. Uh, but I don't think he, he, anyone connected on it. Uh, so expect Archer to maybe uh, 
be, be, be a bit sharper to those that crosses. Uh, maybe that could be an area where, where you, you look to exploit. I definitely saw that on Monday where I think in the first half, Borough were a little bit stuck given your high press and you were overloading our right side quite a bit, given that we're well, trying to counteract our numerical advantage that we typically like in that on that side. And then in the second half, we seem to switch it a lot more, which is, you know, feeds into what you were saying there about our left side. We got a lot more joy in that second half in that area. And I do think it is a fascinating matchup between two sides that are very good counter-attacking, Borough the most goals from counter-attacking situations, Coventry the second most. But Borough do tend to, as you alluded to earlier with the possession stats, we do tend to try to play that possession dominant style. So what we've spoken about on the podcast before is these pockets of chaos that we will try to strangle the opponent and hit them on the counter, but also we can switch up a little bit and dominate the possession. So... What I'm interested in, I guess, and, and potentially saw it there with that big switch, what are the weaknesses of, of Coventry? And you have obviously said they're not in Cuffey. Uh, are there any others? I've seen a few criticisms of Josh Eccles on the forums, but forums aren't always particularly great places to view anyway because they can be quite critical. But yeah, what are the any other weaknesses of, of Coventry that Borough might look to exploit? Yeah, you're right to allude to that midfield kind of area. Eccles... He does have a habit of sometimes losing his runner. He's got a good engine on him, but I'd say he's not the most diligent at tracking a player into the box, for example. Um, he wasn't really a starter uh, when we had our two number 10s, Casey Palmer and Callum O'Hare fit. It was more Hamer playing that defensive role, shielding mm. defence. But then we've had to move Hamer up into that attacking role. And that's obviously uh, proved very good because I think he's got eight goals and assists in the last five games. So, but the problem is now we look a bit bare at the back with Eccles there. Um, yeah, so definitely if you could make those runs out off him, definitely a, uh, an area to exploit. But as I said, you've got to balance that with the counter-attacking threat. Um, I, I, I know you alluded to the high press there. I think as I, I think the one weakness was that there were a couple of chances which came. But what, what Robbins likes to do, he likes to filter the opposition's ball into that wider channel area. And then he will just get his wing-backs to push forward on the opposition fullback. I think that happened, but then what, what happens is you play sideways or backwards, pass backwards. He then activates the high press with our narrow three midfielders and the front two. So that's one area where Carrick may say, play, a bit, uh, play forwards a bit more quickly there rather than going backwards and look to consolidate possession again because that Coventry high press can suddenly hit you uh, if they hit mm. the right triggers and filter that ball out wide and then it comes back inside. So that's definitely one to look out for as well. Something I'd like to get your perspective on. I mean, the Borough goal that uh, we scored on Monday came from a corner. It was quite quite a quick, short routine, which we've not seen a lot of from us this season. We've been very wasteful from from set pieces. And that, that seems to be the first game where we've actually really done that and had success with it straight away. Is that potentially an area that Carrick might be targeting there? Um, it did seem like maybe for the goal, it was just like a brief lapse in concentration had uh, maybe kind of cost you in the, in the corner. Is that something that's, that's kind of seen regularly or was it just kind of more being caught off guard, do you think? I've not seen anything like that before, really. But what I will say is I think Gus Hamer picked up a injury just prior to that where he was stretching yeah. his calf out. And I think he looked a bit slow to get to the short corner and then lost his man. Uh, and you guys capitalised that Archer, obviously, he's got great movement in the box and good finish. Uh, but maybe it will be because 
McNally and McFadzine are, are beasts in the air, really. So they will dominate uh, in the air. And then maybe the short corner is a better route to go rather than going lofting in the air and, uh, and challenging those two guys. Um, but yeah, it could be definitely, uh, if you could repeat it, but obviously I'm sure Robbins will now uh, drill into his players that you've got to be a lot better there because uh, it was a bit sloppy from Hamer. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. showed our card too early there, haven't we, Tom? We should have done that in that game. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be so, so interesting to see if that carries on and like what else changes now, because you know, like you say, you, that, that you, never happened got, before. Do you guys tend to score many from corners directly, or is it no? No. No. We were talking about this on one of our podcasts, actually. There's a thing on our podcast called The Malt Curse, which is me jinxing things. And I was uh, saying how Co- Coventry are also not good at set pieces. And I was, yeah. this, this whole narrative of, you need to be good at set pieces to be a good team. You don't. So both of our teams aren't particularly prevalent at scoring goals from set pieces. But you know, yeah. you gave us one yeah. on Monday, which probably won't yeah. happen again. It's a it's a just a nice cheap way to get a goal, isn't it? I mean, Man City mm. this year, you look in the Champions League since Pep's brought in his four centre back system at the back where he's using four pretty big centre backs, they're scoring goals from set pieces in the Champions League and that's helped them progress. So maybe Luton are obviously a very good set-piece team. So mm. that could be if either of us get to the... Well, one of us will get to the final, but that's <laughs> one. If Luton get there, that'll, that'll be one where we could come unstuck. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So you, you've mentioned quite a few uh, quite a few players in, in the, the breakdown of Monday's game. Who do you think are going to be the most pivotal players on both teams in the semi-final stage? So 
I think obviously Jokers is the is the one for us. If we're gonna go into the game again with just twenty six percent possession, which is what we had on Monday, and look to sit back, we'd really just doing that to look give him the space to run in that left channel. Um and yeah, he, he I would say before this season, I had Callum Wilson and James Madison as the best players I've seen for Coventry since being relegated to the lower leagues. I think Jokres is outshone both of them, which is a big testament to because those guys have obviously gone on to have very good Premier League careers. And I think this guy will have a similar trajectory to Ivan Tony when he was in the championship of Brentford. The the key difference with Jokres is he's able to create his own goals. He doesn't need service on the plate. He can dribble with the ball, cut inside, take take it past a man, and then shoot from kind of mid-range distances um, and, and create his own goals that way. And that is, I think that is a big uh, big thing to look out for when you're looking at someone translating their level to the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, Jokres and Gus Hamer obviously, is in good form, making those late runs from midfield. So, Jokres takes it on the counter. And then you also see Hamer. He gives time for Hamer to then join him in support um, because... Matty Gordon, Jokres' strike partner, isn't the best player, I'd say. Um, <laughs> he's one who is really kind of punching above his uh, actual level for us. But for you guys, I- I'm quite impressed with Archer in terms of how clinical he is. And uh, one thing he probably has over Jokres is he's probably more clinical. Jokres misses quite a few easy chances. Uh, I think we had a game against Reading a couple of weeks ago and he missed about three or four easy chances. Um, so, yeah. You you guys got Archer and obviously Giles as well, as we mentioned on the, earlier in the show about that left-hand side for Borough. And I, I was reading the stats. I think has Giles got around 11 assists and he's created 22 big chances this year. Mm. That 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 is a Crazy. big uh, source of creation, isn't it? So him and Archer are probably the ones to watch out for for me. What do you guys think? Have you, have you got any other thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I completely agree with Archer. He's going into this game off the back of, I think it's six goal contributions. I think it might actually be more than that. I mean, we spoke about it on the podcast, but I've completely forgot. But he's in, in really, really good form. Uh, Chuba Atpom's actually enduring his biggest goal drought under Carrick, two games. <laughs> so, you know, he's been a massive player <laughs> for us. So, yeah, I think I agree on on Archer and Giles um, and, yeah, Jokerez. He, I think even though you said that Paddy McNair did well up against him, I think Lenahan did as well on the other side, he just looked really, really dangerous one-on-one. And as you said, that ability to dribble past people, carry the ball so well with pace and good close control. I mean, if you don't go up, he will definitely be off um, because yeah. he's, he's such a good player. And and I remember Jokerez when he was at Swansea and a lot of their fans did not rate him at all. So I think this is a classic case, much like with Tuba and Carrick, of probably a, a player just finding the right manager and the right football club. So I, I definitely agree with, with that. Tom, do you have any thoughts on Coventry's main men? Yeah, Jokerez scares me. Uh, <laughs> just to kind of pick, pick up on, on what you were saying there, there were so many times in, in Monday's game where he'd be running at McNair one-on-one from the left-hand channel and I'm just thinking there's no way that, that McNair's actually getting a tackle in here. I just I could see him skip it, skipping past him and, and launching the shot at, uh, at Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> I also I was really kind of appreciating the um, the battle between um, Norton Cuffey and Giles on the uh, the left slash right hand side, so I, I feel like that's going to be a, a bit of a pivotal point for um, for both semi final games as well. 
Yeah, the, the other thing is, is the backup right back, a uh, right wing back to Norton Cuffey, Fankati Dabo. He's he's had a, a terrible run of form as well. So he, we don't even have a substitute option. I don't think for Norton Cuffey when his legs tire. So you you guys can definitely exploit that. I was I was wondering about Dabo because I remember last season I actually really liked him um, when we played you guys. So I'm surprised. I was wondering where he was yesterday because I didn't see uh, on Monday. Sorry, because I didn't see the bench. But yeah, that's interesting that he's had uh, a, a bit of a down season compared to maybe previous ones. But you mentioned Gus Hamer earlier and just then as well, actually. He's obviously been moved to a more advanced midfield position. You touched on it a little bit. How has that impacted the the dynamic of the side? Because he's a very aggressive presser, isn't he? He's a, you know, he's a very good player, Hamer. I do like him a lot. Yeah, you're right. He's a very aggressive player. He reminds me more of a South American type of player, kind of pit bull. He loves a tackle, mm, yeah. uh, runs all over the, the midfield. Maybe I think Robbins has found his best position now. Because in that, even though he was providing a bit more defensive security at the base of the midfield, as you say, he's more of a Kante. He wants to stretch his legs and be more of a destructive ball winner than rather than stay disciplined. So, yeah, that, <laughs> from that side of his game and also... Uh, when he gets forward, he's good carry, uh, carrying the ball um, through the midfield. And then he gets those shots off outside the box, as we saw uh, on Monday. And, and he's got a good, clean strike on him. Um, and mm. I think there was a chance early on as well, where we were to yeah. press you high. Yeah, exactly. And we pressed you high, won the ball back. And Hamer had another shot, which uh, Stefan saved quite well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, this new role for him, it, it suits his style of play. So we're going to do something different for this show as it's the first opposition preview show that we've ever done for the playoffs. I'm pretty sure this is the first year we've ever, you know, podcasted during a playoff campaign as well. <laughs> it so is, yeah. It's, it it's is. just new to us completely. What I'd usually do at the end of an opposition preview show is ask for predictions on the next match. Um, I'm not going to do that this time. What I'm going to say is, what are your predictions for both semifinals and who do you think is going to end up winning in the final? So, yeah, it's a tricky game for us. But <laughs> I'm going to guess I'm, you're on the. You'll be on the Amstel, Raj. You're on the yeah, Amstel the yeah, other day, yeah, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, you just got <laughs> uh, Amstel or Peroni. Those are my two go-to's, really. So yeah, um, Chris Wilder over here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, an Amstel for halftime drinks, but yeah, score-wise. <laughs> um, I'll go us edging through in a in a three two aggregate victory, uh, but uh, honestly, that that could be very different. Uh, but I just quite liked how many opportunities we had on the counter attack. But it's going to be I, I think Carrot will play a bit more safe in the in the in his first and second legs of the, of the semi. Uh, other semi final, I think Luton will go through, which is good news for you guys as well. You know, I'll contact, I'll, you're obviously not big fans of Sunderland, I'm guessing. So yeah, I think Luton will go through. Uh, they're in very good form, aren't they? And, and I think they suit a bit uh, knockout football. Um, they, they've got that physical, aggressive style of play and defensively they're quite solid. So I can see them edging through on a, a couple of set pieces or something like that. Uh, but yeah, and it'll be a Luton uh, Coventry final. Ooh, not a fan of that. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Fancy trying to pick a winner from that? Mm. You know what? Oh, I'm very scared about Luton. They they do scare me. That's because I think they can play us at our own game. I think defensively they'll be they're just as good as us, um, and they've got that direct threat. 
Uh, someone like Callum Doyle isn't he isn't big, he isn't that big. Obviously McFadden and McNally are, so he could be there could be an aerial kind of assault. Um I'll, I'll have us go through on pen, uh, win, or winning the playoffs on penalties. Ooh, oh, drama. I'm all there for that. I'm <laughs> all here for penalty drama. And now, Dana, do you want to take a run at their predictions as well? Oh, you put me on the spot there. Um, you know what? I've, I'm going to say 1-1 for the, the first game against ourselves in Coventry. I just think that going back to the Riverside with a good foundation and a draw will take us through because I think that when Borough are at the Riverside and we need that little bit of that 12th man edge, I know it's very cliche in football, but I feel like we'll do it. I feel like we'll get the job done at home. So I'm going to say that we'll beat Coventry in the second leg 2-0 for a 3-1 aggregate score. And then I think Sunderland's are going to beat Luton. I really do. I just think that... Clark, Diallo and Pritchard and um, the players that they've got, I just fancy them, I do. And I think they're in really good form as well. Um, so that would be a Borussia Sunderland playoff final. Oh, my God, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's it's like, terrible. It's like the, it's like the uh, Milan derby last night, isn't it? Mm. All the fans on the uh, edge of their seats. Yeah. No, it's oh, not God, a derby to them, bad. though. Can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean... Is it not? Is it not? <laughs> yeah, uh, they, it, it they, is when they, they win. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the final, you know what? I'm not even going to say because <laughs> I'll jinx it. So yeah, <laughs> but I am going to say a Boris Sunderland final. <laughs> I would ag- I would agree with you on that, Dana. And you know what? I, I'd probably go with Borough getting their first Wembley win against Sunderland. <laughs> I mean, touch wood, I'm on wooden desk now, so hopefully safe in saying that, but what a what a way to get your first Wembley win that would be. Mm. Have, you, have you played them before at Wembley? don't believe so. Mm. No. no. We played many teams. We played Chelsea twice, haven't we, at Wembley, and yeah. uh, both times it did not go well. So, yeah, as long as we don't concede within 15 seconds or whatever it was, yeah, as long as that doesn't happen again, it's fine. Well, that was uh, that, that was it for the uh, the opposition preview show today. Raj, thanks very much for joining us. Um, see, good luck in the in the playoffs. Not too much luck, but you know, <laughs> hopefully it's two uh, two entertaining games. And Dana, thanks for for joining us on this show as well. This has been the Borough Breakdown opposition preview show. Thanks for tuning in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 